0: Petersfield's Shine Radio. Shine Radio's growing together with Claire Venice and Steve Amos is supported by
1: Alitex. Modern Victorian glasshouses made in South Harting. Hello and thanks for joining us in Growing Together, the gardening podcast from Shine Radio. I'm Claire Venice and I'm joined at the Edhurst Estate Allotments once again by Steve Amos. Good morning. Good morning Steve. How are we? I'm all right, thank you very much, how are you?
2: All right, dodging the rain.
1: Well yes, again I saw the weather forecast.
2: I know, you, we, slight change of plan. <laughs> yeah.
1: I did have visions, I know we spoke about this last time, of us sitting in your shed yeah but that was really looking like a possibility it this was time wasn't around. it yeah
2: so i think a good call shift it to the first thing in the morning before the day starts got the birds singing it's lovely and sunny yeah we've, we've done well again haven't I we? i know thank you for making <laughs> that work that's all right it's
1: mild though it's warm but goodness me is it rainy oh my days so wet honestly we're walking up here it was pretty Squishy and squashy oh, and it, slippy and it slidey. Really is.
2: It really is. I think I've still got the covers on most of the beds, but um, I took the covers off over the weekend to uh, get the bean poles in because beans are about ready to be planted. But um, my goodness, it was heavy going. The, my little rotavator was, was getting clogged up all the time. It's very well. It doesn't stop the weeds growing.
1: No. Well, I mean, it's great because everything is growing and it looks so green and lush. I love that.
2: I love yes. this time of year. That This, this green, the new leaves, that almost light green isn't it it's almost a lime green colour isn't it I just love it it's just so pleasing on the eyes
1: yeah it is beautiful I love it too Stephen and actually the blossoms still out. so to me that seems like that's quite late I
2: think it is late I think most things are late and I was talking to a chap um, in Sheet village uh, the other day who's a keen gardener and he was saying everything's really late and he was talking about his beetroot not coming up yet and being too cold but now obviously it's got warmer everything will catch up with itself and i think everything will just overtake itself again but um i know that project dahlia for this wedding that i'm, I'm growing for is a fortnight behind which is a bit worrying because obviously things do catch up with themselves but the wedding can't shift yes <laughs> so i've got the first weekend in september is a hard stop. Dahlia's have to be ready. Oh gosh, the is on already. The squeaky bum time, and I've not even planted them <laughs> oh, yet.
1: <laughs> no. Well, we're going to talk to you this episode about dahlias. We're also going to be catching up with Nellie Hall at Alitex yep. for her second instalment of her Chelsea Growing Diary. Chelsea Flower Show starts on the 22nd of May. That's so not long to go, is it? Not far away no. at all. It'll be interesting to see how things are going for her over there in the greenhouses and, and how the prep is coming.
2: Yeah, no, it'll be fascinating. Mm, will be the pressures of getting ready for something like Chelsea which is slightly out of season for a lot of stuff that people grow it's just incredible I, I just find it fascinating yeah. how, how they do it you know it, it's, it's brilliant
1: it's amazing yeah, actually hats off to everybody Absolutely. who's doing all that but down here at the allotment, Steve, as we said, everything's green. We're sat here right by your potato plot. We are. They're all coming up quite happily. In they are. They're look, looking
2: really good, actually. That, we talked about that colour green, and they are all that lovely colour green, aren't they? Mm,
1: they are um, really gorgeous.
2: Really pleased, actually. They all look very healthy. What we don't need now is a, is a late frost. That will be a nightmare. Obviously, I have fleece on standby in the shed here. <laughs> <laughs> Keep an eye on the weather forecast, just in case, because potatoes do not like a frost. And they're all up as you say, so uh, yeah, no, you need to keep an eye on that weather forecast. Grab your chances in the sunshine.
1: Well, you mentioned your bean poles are up. Yep. What beans are you growing this year?
2: So, I'm growing two varieties of normal beans one from a, a successful shower, uh, a lady called Emily Plum that I bought last year, some reselected beans from her, so her own sort of strain of a, of a Stenner variety. And then I've gone with a, a variety called Benchmaster for the other side of the bean pole. So we'll see how they
1: go. These are climbing French
2: beans? You, no, 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 these are, these are runner beans. Oh, runner beans? Yeah, you know, the French beans, I'm going with dwarf beans this year, okay. which is gonna go in the little patch next to the, the, uh, the bean poles there. And I'm growing the Prince, which is a mm. dwarf bean. It's slightly uh, flatter, looks almost like a runner bean actually the way it looks rather than the classic rounded French bean like a cylinder Mm -hmm. this is looks like it's been squashed tastes fantastic look amazing on the show bench
1: Oh, okay so you're growing them to to show as
2: well as well yeah yeah no all the veg I grow now I grow to eat and for the show bench so over a few years I've sort of gone through some really foul tasting stuff that looks amazing (laughs) and it's about getting that balance of what looks good but also tastes good as well the Winston potato, great on the show bench, but doesn't really taste very nice. It's about testing and adjusting. And then the other little canes you can see over in, in the distance there, that's for the longest runner bean. For our little competition that we have every year at the allotments for the longest runner bean. Uh, and I'm not telling you what I'm going to I
1: was right. just going to ask
2: you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> next question, literally out of my mouth, is going to be what variety is that?
2: Well, I've sourced some from somewhere. <laughs> And I've also got some of my own saved ones from the disaster that was last year. So hopefully it should be quite good. Ooh, okay, we'll have to keep an eye on those as well. (laughs) That's
1: interesting. Yes, because last year
2: was awful for
1: beans, wasn't
2: it? On my plot it was, on the plot over there, it was phenomenal. Oh, that's right. Do you remember, he was was picking beans and we were talking about it at the weekend, actually. He reckoned he was picking beans in the first week in November. (laughs) Which is crazy. He's, he's, not, he's not growing as many this year.
1: He's the only man I know. in the Petersfield area that had Literally, beans. Literally.
2: <laughs> they were a pound each he was selling them for.
1: <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah, well, his bean poles are still up.
2: Well, they have moved.
1: Oh, have they? On Good. close
2: inspection of the fantastic build job he's done over there, he's cheated. They're screwed together.
1: Oh, are they? they are.
2: They're not tied with lovely twine. They're screwed. <laughs> Honestly.
1: So can you just pick the whole thing yeah, up? Yeah, yeah. That's and move what he did. It. He's
2: moved it. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah. A bit like a, a greenhouse frame. Yeah. You know, Picked the whole thing up and moved it. Yeah.
1: Okay. Well, I like his. I like well, his style. Fair play actually. to him. Yeah. Oh well. Good. Good luck to him this year for his beans as well. But well, I'm growing a whole variety of beans. I love beans. Okay. And I grow French beans all climbing okay. actually so I've got all climbing I haven't done dwarf so I've got French beans, runner beans, borlotti beans so they'll all climb up together I quite like to do them okay. as a mixture
2: yeah I know See, you don't like You're that. so wrong <laughs> that just messes with my head I'm a, <laughs> sorry Claire but you know you, you can't do that it's not it's not fair. <laughs>
1: I like the flowers though because you've got the lovely red flowers of the runner beans yep. and you've got the white flowers Sometimes you can get pinky flowers as well from, from French beans, depending on which varieties you grow. So I love that combination.
2: Okay, well, you're wrong. But... <laughs> <laughs> Each to their own. Exactly, exactly. <laughs>
1: um, but yeah, I like to grow them in teepees, actually. So yes. I know a lot of people do, as you have here, a long line of poles, but yep. I quite like the teepees. Yeah, so no, I vary from year to year. I,
2: I saw. I, I can't remember the name of, of what it was called, but somebody a few years ago grew beans, and they had a the upright and then almost a horizontal. And the beans grew down, and you could get underneath the horizontal.
1: Ah. Hello, Luna. Luna's joining us. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, Luna.
2: Yeah, and the beans dangled down from the horizontal.
1: That's a clever
2: idea. Yeah, it's called something. I can't remember what it is. I'll have to to look it up, and uh, I'll tell you next week.
1: What a clever idea. Yeah, yeah, it was good. So you just sort of walk in and pick them as opposed to try and rummage around. Yeah, Well, talking of clever ideas, I have put my hanging baskets together, or some of them. Okay. Last time we talked about, (laughs) I was going to make some blousy, big blousy hanging baskets. So I've done a combination. I've done some flowered ones, and I've also done a vegetable one. Have you not mixed them up? Well. It's not like you, Claire. I know. There are a (laughs) few flowers. In the veg one, I have got strawberries because they'll dangle down quite yeah. nicely, which were from my front garden I just dug up. So it's strawberries in there. I have some oregano herbs. Again, I have loads of oregano in the garden, but it was really fun deciding which other vegetables to yeah, put yeah. in. Yeah. So I've got some beetroot in there. I beetroot. Yeah.
2: Beetroot and hanging basket. Beetroot and
1: hanging basket. Well they're not going to hang down, but I thought the well, no. the leaves would look lovely okay. as they yeah, come yeah.
2: up. Yeah, they're a lovely colour, I Same suppose. Same with some chard. Yeah.
1: So I've got some from rainbow chard. I've got some peas. Okay. So I thought maybe the peas might
2: instead of going up, dangle they might down. Trail down. Try them. Hey. It's got two chances, isn't it? Well exactly. <laughs> it either will or it won't. I know. Good luck.
1: I've got some spring onions in there. So, a nice combination of, of different things. Well,
2: I think you may have lost the plot. <laughs> yeah. <haven't you?
1: laughs> I know, it's fun to try. Well, why not? You never know. You why never not? know. But a clever trick I saw online, actually, for the middle of the hanging basket is to put a bit of guttering. So, round guttering in the middle. Yeah. Which helps keep water in. Ah, uh, okay. Which is clever. So, you can pour the water in. So, you fill in. the water
2: into the thing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So that helps. sounds good.
1: Because they do obviously have a tendency of drying out. Hello, mate you're right
3: oh,
1: what are hi, you up to <laughs> <laughs> just trying to get some uh, birds and hedgerow stuff hedgerow oh oh phil have you got five minutes to talk to us oh. about that <laughs> okay i'll
3: come back in a minute, right, minute.
1: that would be brilliant so i use sphagnum moss in yep. my hanging baskets and yep. um, it's quite difficult to put in initially so you have to pack it in with both hands it doesn't fall through yeah, yeah. the the actual basket itself and then I put some drainage in, so I've got some grit at the bottom and a bit of sand. Yep. And then I pop the compost in. But I've thought I'd try a bit of guttering in the middle this year. So
2: did you drill holes in the guttering? No. No. No, okay. it's just
1: straight through. It's not very big. It's probably about 10 centimetres. Okay. And I just popped it in there. Interesting. It's black, so you don't see it. Sounds good. And then it goes down a little bit right into the, the grit, yeah. really. So we'll see. Well, we'll see what happens. Good luck.
2: Keep us posted. I
1: will do. I will do.
2: <laughs> well, I've started the, the mass migration of plants various from from the greenhouse at home start to come up here um, I think next year I might need to buy a van. <laughs> My poor car gets battered at this time of year, just filled with trays and trays of plants. So a van is, is maybe on the shopping list.
1: Ooh. Well, you know, needs must. Exactly, yes.
2: exactly. It needs must. Yeah, so that migration has started. The greenhouse over there is, has got lots of bits and pieces in it and then outside the greenhouse is the stuff that's just hardening off and it's quite happy sat hardening off. But again, like the potatoes, keep an eye on the weather forecast, sign of frost, trundle it all back into the greenhouse again you just
1: don't know you don't know where this weather it's quite strange isn't it it is talking of greenhouses let's catch up with Nellie hall at alitex as she prepares for the chelsea flower show I'm back at Anatex, thrilled to catch up with Nellie Hall for the second instalment of her Chelsea Flower Show, Growing Diary, and we're also joined by Julia Parker. So we'll have a nice chat to both of you to find out how things are going as Chelsea really, really draws near.
4: Hi Nellie, how are things? We're hitting the sleepless night stage, Claire, to be honest. I've done about 18 or 19 Chelsea's, but I've never had full responsibility for the plants and not had a kind of designer doing that. And I thought because it's veg, it's different. So yeah, it's just added, just a little notch of extra sleeplessness. And this spring we've had, which has been lacking in, um, what? what's that thing we can't remember? Yes, sunshine. <laughs> yeah,
1: haven't seen it lacking for a while. sunshine, yeah, yeah really yeah. not enough. Now, this is the end of the first setup week at Chelsea. We're recording this on the 12th of May. How's setup going at the moment?
4: Great. So John is the builder who's there. He's there with his son and his son's mate, which is actually really lovely. His son was one. Two when John first started doing Chelsea's and now he's working at Chelsea. The ground was sodden anyway. Torrential rain in the first few weeks. We took up canopies, so it's allowed him to be able to build bases because you can't really build decent building base works in torrential rain. So we've got canopies, so they're doing that under cover. But we had to build literally build drainage holes on the stand. It's waterlogged. So it's been really extreme conditions actually to build in and we've started building the greenhouses now. Goodness me.
1: So next week it is crunch time to get everything built and all your plants that you've been growing, transferred up
4: there too? Yeah, we've hired a, a Luton van, something with a bit more height, because we've got two lovely crabapple trees from Griffin Nurseries, which are just down the road. And we've made some wonderful structures with willow and hazel and whatever we found in the woods. So we want to get those up, and there will be a lot of toing and fro-ing with vanfuls and me barking, don't bend the leaf, <laughs> you know for everything. All leaves are precious, even if we then chop them off when we choose to. We're choosing to, not having them chopped off because someone did it casually.
1: Well, now last time we caught up, we were in one of your greenhouses and you had just ordered some ladybirds because, talking of
4: leaves, there was quite a bit of damage
1: on some of the plants, wasn't there? Yeah, so actually
4: the biggest issue I would say lately is pests. So it's been damp, bonkers aphids for a while. Black fly, white fly. So we got ladybirds and we got ladybird larvae. And the thing about the ladybirds is, in my mind, I could picture swarms of ladybirds, but actually, there weren't that many. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and, and they do sort of then hide away. So you don't, like, kind of see ladybirds marching around all the time, which I kind of, again, I've imagined each time I come in, I just see ladybirds flying everywhere. But they just quietly get on with it. Yeah, they're doing really well. And, I, you know, occasionally you see a ladybird and you say thank you. <laughs> but the slugs and snails, literally, it's, it's you have to pick up every pot, look underneath take them outside, pluck them off. And then we don't do anything more brutal than throw them towards the big hedge we have over there where all the nesting birds might be grateful of some extra nutrition. (laughs) But yeah, so that's kind of, it's putting back to nature. Yeah. Well, that's interesting about the ladybirds. So that was a good choice. Yeah, and and definitely somebody has said they've seen a teeny one. So we bought larvae as well. And that, so I'm hoping that means that that's hatched out. But now we're moving so much around, there will just be more ladybirds in the Torbury vicinity. Lovely. it's nice doing something natural.
1: Now, we're in one of your beautiful greenhouses in the conservatory here. There's a bit of noise in the background because you've got some building work going on, so it's almost
4: like we're actually at Chelsea itself. Chelsea is so noisy. Is it really? Disc cutting and drills and hammering and the odd shout, but um, it's generally lovely camaraderie, really nice, and people are happy to help each other out and because you're all in it together. You know, you've all got the same deadline, the same pressures of weather, And actually, everyone's got the same pressures of plants being a good week or two behind. Mm -hmm. So, you know, show gardens are, for us, you know, we're going in, this is all about potential, not perfection. And it's real. We're talking about what can you grow yourself from seeding, greenhouses, using a little bit of light, a little bit of heat, to have a garden that's really flourishing at this time of year. But perfection doesn't matter. Show gardens, on the other hand, you know, they've submitted a brief, and they have to fulfil the brief. And if they've said that they're going to have these flowers and this tree or whatever they you know they are playing a really tough game on some I mean some of the structural stuff you'll see at Chelsea there's some real hunks of stone some very natural looking stuff but there's one which is just like a giant monolith rearing out of the ground like 20 30 feet tall as long as they're going on and being used and have a purpose beyond the show I think the sustainability issue, of the RHS, are peddling is growing. That's certainly what we're talking about on
0: our stand. Haven't they got a give back campaign which they've started? And actually, you know, you couldn't be more on point with the Grow Your Own Good Life journey this year with being with the stand.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I was going to introduce you Julia, actually, because... it's No, 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 absolutely. But talking of the camaraderie um, <laughs> aspects of things. Wonderful to be joined by you, Julia, because we actually haven't met before. We haven't. We have spoken. met on Instagram. Yes. Yeah, and spoken yes. on the phone. So really lovely to have you here. So what's your involvement with the Anatech Stand?
0: Well, my involvement is Nelly rang me after Christmas and said, how about chatting about Chelsea? It's all right up your street or up your garden path. It's grow your own, which is what I do. I run workshops about teaching people how to grow their own. So naturally, I jumped at it. And I am obviously thrilled to be helping Nelly but I'm also in awe because to have grown, I know what it's like to grow from seed. And I have not grown on this scale, particularly with a a stand that does get marked. I mean, face it or not, you know, it would be great to have five stars again. And the pressure is enormous. And two years ago, I held the September flower show in the 21 after covid I sort of know a little bit what Lenny's been going through because we rang everyone to say, Have you got such and such for one small greenhouse that I helped with? And I ended up growing a lot. And the pressure I put on myself was ridiculous over a tiny greenhouse. But I kept thinking, People are going to walk through, they judge you, they look, they what, they expect perfection. And trying to get things timed. And this year, the seasons are just awful. So Chelsea is looking very green, I would say, at the moment, mm-hmm. because it's just horrendous not having not only the sunlight but the actual daylight it's been so dark which has definitely affected growth on on veggies definitely and and my radishes that I thought were going to be perfect because I'm just doing a few backups in different containers to help Nelly I mean they were ready three days ago and I thought what are you doing ready Ah. 10 days before you're meant to be (laughs) so you know now they look great huge great fat radishes almost the length of my baby finger but if it's hot they could just go to seed which isn't going to look very good
1: it's really difficult, isn't it? Because these are show gardens, these are flower shows, but it's not necessarily reality. No. And that's what I guess it, you are in the process of now battling with the reality of the weather, with things being ready or not quite ready, but it is, this is reality of
0: growing. Yes, it is, but you've also got to have things that look good as well. You've yes. got to have a real mix, I think, which I think, Nelly, hats off to you today. It looks, I've been looking at the plants Nelly's grown, they are fantastic. It's
4: actually Be enjoyable, and you know, the one thing I will talk about:
0: talk about perfection. We're not
4: seeking perfection. We've got this supermarket perfection ideal in our minds, which you've got to stop
0: fearing away from and you are right when you said that everything comes together people look after each other at at the show and generally in in gardening world actually but they do people just all help don't they and there's a bit of maybe swapping and borrowing and begging and stealing all at the last minute but that's part of the
4: show and putting it together isn't it and there's a bit of borrowing so last year on our stand that we did with Jake Curley we had alliums as our colour and it was the opposite last year they'd gone over because it was too sunny and too warm and everything washed came up over by the time it's Chelsea. We're at the show, walking around. Joe Swift was doing the RHS garden. You know, Joe went over and I had a chat and he said, listen, all the stuff over there, you can fill your boots. So we got Sweet Rocket. It looked perfect. And it, there's that warmth and generosity amongst people. And, you know, we've had lovely people like um, Tom Hoblin, you know, with a, with a extra fox stops running. It. And they, they just made it, you know, just little extras. And, and that's when it's a really nice kind spirit of everybody and I, I do think most people in horticulture are pretty decent people yeah I totally agree with you yeah. Yeah. I love hearing that that's yeah. so nice to hear yeah. that
1: behind the scenes kind of side of things yeah. you don't necessarily think that when you watch it on telly show gardens look spectacular you do wonder if everyone kind of keeps themselves to themselves to sort of make sure that their bit looks great yeah well, that's really wonderful it's, it's like a sort of an allotment really in a certain way that I have access to this, would you like this, would you like that, that whole sharing thing that goes on in the gardening world, it's so lovely to hear. Don't get me wrong, there's a
4: couple of divas going around. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, think, uh, I mean there's a couple, and I will not name, mention names, who've literally, in the past, got the screen all around their stand, so no one can see what they do. That <laughs> I find quite entertaining. So going back to your, your plants, what's
1: been the most successful plants that you've grown this, this year for the show?
4: I I'm going to say because they are just such show ponies, the kohlrabi, purple colour. They are beautiful. They are like art. They are like a little sculpture in a plant, and you can eat it. Having cornflowers in flower because, as as Julia said, it's going to be very green, Chelsea. And often what you only have at this time of year is is white and blue as colour. I don't know why. It must be to the light spectrum. The sweet peas are coming out in less and There's some nice pinks and sort of deep colours. All lovely scents and. Shiraz Pea, it's a really pretty monge two style pea, but it's deep burgundy, the, the pod, and a pretty pink flower. So that there, there's some nice pops of colour, and actually it is finding pops of colour, and really pleasing plants to look at. And broad beans, we literally could eat broad beans, and tell you, we'll eat some broad beans on the standard Chelsea. Pea. Lovely. <laughs> yeah, <You're
1: my> favourite. <laughs> Looking forward to that. Oh, it's, it's so exciting. I'm so thrilled you're at this stage. I know it's a scary, sleepless night stage, but everything is looking amazing. It's looking lush. Good luck on your journey up there and um, look forward to catching up with you at the stand. Thanks, Claire. And it's so wonderful to have you, Julia. I'd love to talk to you in more detail at some point about great. what you do. Thanks very much. See Thank you soon. You. Thanks very much, Nelly. Great to catch up with you again and best of luck at the Chelsea Flower Show. I'll be up there to catch up with you during the
2: show. Well, the blossoms absolutely fantastic. I know we touched on it earlier, but looking around, the, the apple trees are in full force at the moment, aren't they? It's stunning. It is absolutely beautiful, and down on the orchard, it's quite spectacular.
1: Oh, we'll have a peep. Come we have, have a, a peep. look?
2: But uh, the bees are extremely busy, which is great.
1: It is great. I've seen quite a few buzzing by, which is mm. lovely. But this is the time of year where they swarm, so keep an eye out for that. Apparently, it's not dangerous. It might look quite scary possibly quite threatening but it's best to just leave them where they are and we do have the Petersfield and District Beekeepers Association details should you need it should a swarm come near you and you're not sure what to do about it it's best to call the experts and the person to call is Rowan Roberts and his telephone number is 07531 901 767 that's the dedicated phone number for the swarm coordinator who is Rowan Roberts if you want to find out more about them their website is petersfieldbeekeepers.org.uk Do you keep bees down here then, Steve? We've we've had
2: bees. We've had a a number of different beekeepers come along, and I have spoken to the uh, the Petersfield Beekeepers Association about bringing some hives down here as well. The short answer is no, we don't at the moment, but we have had and we would like to have them again.
1: Great down here. Yeah, no, absolutely. There's loads of space. Ideal location. Yes. Adhurst Allotment Honey.
2: Yeah, it'd be nice, wouldn't it? Oh, that'd be delicious. Yeah, yeah. One of the guys that had bees here before used to uh, pay his rent in honey. Did he really? <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, he, used to, he used to give me a couple of jars a year and oh, it was so good. And to have it so local doesn't get much more local than from the plants and your own allotment, does right it really? here. Yeah, which is superb.
1: I love that barter system. I had that going with a neighbour, actually. Oh, did you? Yeah. She'd swap me eggs for rhubarb. Oh super. So we do a lovely little swap. That's My
2: dad has a good bartering system going in the summer because he lives on Anglesey up in North Wales and quite close to one of the small ports and he takes like a basket full of veg down to one of the boats and swaps it for crabs and scallops and Does all he that really? kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brilliant. He's got it dialed in there, definitely. Well organised. Yeah, exactly. I
1: love that idea. If you do have a bartering system, a swap seed going on, let us know. I'd love to hear what you're swapping. Steve, you mentioned your dahlias. Yep. You are potentially the king of dahlias here oh, at
2: the no, Adnest no, no, State no, Allotment. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> no keen amateur, keen uh-huh. amateur. 250 plants does not make an expert. That's
1: probably, <laughs> that's probably the most plants you have at the allotment, though, isn't it? In regards to everyone else here. Oh, good,
2: yeah, yeah, definitely. And that, I mean, that's split over two sites, that 250 is going to be split over two sites this year. I mean, they're a bit late, and sort of looking at a couple of the threads on the National Daily website, everybody's a bit late, about two weeks. But, you know, they will catch up with themselves and they, they do grow extremely quickly. They're very greedy. I've prepped one of the new beds, lots of manure back end of the year, rotivated that lot in, and then cover it with the mere poor weed suppressant material. And then what I do, which I learned last year, was getting a, a like a weed burner, you know, like the blow torches, yeah. and just burning a hole in the plastic rather than cutting a hole, then it doesn't fray.
1: Oh, does it not? No. okay, No, no, no it seals all
2: the edges, so you get no fraying. Yeah, and it works really well. So I think the end of this week, We'll be planting dahlias. Excellent. But again, got to keep an eye on that weather. You know, a late frost is not good for the dahlias.
1: Do you put any feed? mulch or anything down in the beds before you put the dahlia tubers in
2: yeah so i've i've manured them and what i've done in each row if you like a good sprinkling of chicken manure as well and then once they're in then the feeding regime starts
1: yeah because now the time of year where you need to start feeding yeah i've just started yeah
2: which seems crazy with all the rain we've got but the rain doesn't have the nutrients to produce amazing flowers or veg or whatever you can't just rely on the rain you can of course but you won't get as good a yield or as good a quality from your produce whether that be flowers or veg without feeding.
1: What type of feed do the dahlias like?
2: Depending on the time of year, from a high nitrogen feed to a high phosphate feed and, and then a general purpose, I use a liquid seaweed which works really well.
1: I um, tend to use that too actually.
2: Phil's just arrived. Hello Phil. Uh, oh,
1: As morning. if by magic.
2: Was good timing. <laughs> it was wasn't it? Great
1: timing. We're joined by Phil Paolo who we've spoken to before on Growing Together and Phil takes care of a lot of the trees and the hedgerows here well, down. His at the his allotment.
2: grand title is environment officer and to be fair he did appear out of the bushes not sure what it was up to but uh, what, what have you been up to Phil? <laughs> I've just
3: been I've been wandering around having a listen to the uh, all the bird life that we've got in the in the hedgerows yeah so this week is actually National Hedgerow Week. What does you? that involve then? So National Hedgerow Week it happens every year and it's kind of a, a week that's driven by the tree council and it's primarily to get people infused about their hedgerows yeah. so this this year the big focus is on healthy hedgerows so so the Tree Council is providing lots of advice and guidance around how people can plant new hedges. Okay. How people can look after their hedges and maintain them. And also kind of the best, best range of species that you might want to plant mm-hmm. so that you've got a really nice diverse hedge. The different species attract different creatures? Yeah that's right and obviously everyone's aware that you know climate change is having a bit of an impact on some of the plants that you can grow in the UK. So obviously we're, we're suffering with some of our tree species. Um, whereas others are actually finding the warming climate kind of better for their growth. So we're, we're encouraging people to think about maybe species that might be a little bit more adaptable to those changes. Yeah. I think it's really, it's kind of all about a diversity. So rather than encouraging people to think, I'm just going to plant a beech hedge, although it's going to look really nice and formal, Yes, it may not be particularly diverse. So in terms of actually the, the habitat that it yeah. can provide for wildlife isn't, isn't that great. And obviously, being responsive to pests and diseases mm. having a single species it's a it's a lot more at risk we're trying to promote people to think about using a, a broad range of species where possible
2: obviously um, we've, we've just come out of the bare root planting season but if you had a bit of space at home and you're thinking about putting a hedge in what sort of species could would you be looking at do you think
3: i mean you can potentially plant containerised. Hedge. Okay. Um, so any, anything that comes in a container where the, where the roots are kind of grown as you get in the garden centre. You can plant those all year round, but the Tree Council generally tries to promote planting season from October through to the end of March. Mm. So we really we really are outside the planting So so people wanted to plant now they probably would need to be doing lots and lots of irrigation over the growing season because obviously as the weather warms up the trees haven't had that opportunity to put down their roots yeah. so they're going to be more prone to drought stress of and obviously last year, year was terrible that was awful, wasn't it? lots of people lost loads of trees yes. haven't got very dry so again we would say maybe you know if you're thinking about hedge, can you wait until next autumn yeah. maybe maybe spend some time planning it preparing yeah. the ground yeah. as well so digging it over incorporating in some soil conditioners to get a really good structure to give your hedge the best possible chance yeah. of establishing well. Uh, and then thinking about what's growing well in your local area. So, I mean, a good, a good way to think about what hedging is gonna work particularly well in my environment. Have a look in your neighbor's hedgerow, have a yeah. look in the hedgerows in the surrounding countryside, because obviously you'll find that you've got species there thriving. That are particularly adaptive to the the soil quality got in that okay. area so it's always good to have a look around see what's doing really well in your local area yeah. and we try and encourage people to think about broadest biodiversity benefits possible this time of year we've got everything flowering. So yes. the blackthorns just finished the hawthorn's just about to start and mm-hmm. obviously they provide some really good early season flower yeah. um, for a lot of the pollinators. And then think at the other end of the season as well. So things that are going to be flowering late in the season. Mm-hmm. So things such as ivy, something a little bit of ivy incorporate uh, right, into your hedgerow. Yeah. Cause that's one of the last things to flower. And although not technically a hedging species, things like ivy and honeysuckle that can weave throughout, weave the, the, hedge, throughout the hedge provides really beneficial pollen and nectar for okay. local wildlife species.
1: So it was International Dawn Chorus Day on May the 7th and you mentioned you were just looking around having a listen to see what birds uh, we have here. So what did you hear, Phil?
3: Well, I haven't really started yet. Oh, I've, okay. just, oh, right. I've just oh. arrived. So you just caught me on arrival. But I mean, the great thing about this site at Adhurst is we have got a really good diversity of birds. So I mean, you've just, I'm sure you can you can hear it now
1: join us every time don't they
3: yeah Yeah. I love it yes I mean well well I mean this morning in my own garden so I was having a little look at birds in my own garden actually before I before I came out and we've got loads and loads of robins, so lots of robins mm. floating around, lots of tits, so blue tits, great tits and as well. Uh, lots of sparrows, so it's quite nice to see they've got lots of sparrows. And you, you tend to get them in big groups, so again, I recently noticed quite a lot of big groups of sparrows in the local hedgerows. Yes. And obviously they're all building their nests and, you know, they're all, they're all starting to have the young, and lots of fledgings happening. So, yeah. you know, really good time to be looking out for stuff.
1: And also I understand the Hampshire swift Charity. She's been putting up swift boxes in the area in preparation for the swifts to come to encourage them to nest more because apparently the percentage of swifts in this area has really decreased.
2: They're amazing birds as well. Incredible, aren't
3: they? I think it's good to see people can retrofit things like swift boxes into their properties. It's obviously really useful, like having the swift terraces. That sit under your guttering and in the eaves so i think that could be really positive
1: now steve has mentioned before that there's quite a, a strong dormouse population down here have you seen any evidence of that
3: i haven't as yet so i've been i'm always keeping my eye out for uh, the hazelnut casings so if you go around and collect you'll often find hazelnut casings and you can tell from the way that they've been broken into and the scoring around the edge of the nut
2: live on the
3: podcast, <laughs> What's he found? Maybe he's got some.
1: <laughs> Maybe he's got the dormouse population.
3: Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, what, what we're hoping, because we've been doing quite a lot of enhancement here at Adhurst to try and draw the dormice into the site. We know from local data that's been captured on the surrounding hedgerows that there are good populations around our site, but we haven't actually done any surveying on site to assess if they're here. Well, I mean, if, if anyone is interested in dormice or thinks they may have dormice in their local hedgerow, If you have a look online, there's a really useful website called Hedgelink, where you can find lots and lots of information about how to promote healthy hedgerows, um, and maybe thinking about planting a a local hedge as well, how you could actually design your hedge for dormice. Uh, And Hedgelink provides lots of guidance to different organisations, from the UK and internationally um, that can provide you with a lot of that advice and to, you know, if you're unsure. So if you were particularly interested in dormice, I think the People's Trust for Endangered Species, they've got some really useful guidance that can show you what to look out for. So as well as, you know, knowing what you want to plant in your hedge. So having fruiting crops like crab apple, slow and hawthorn. Also, if you do find any hazelnut shells, what you need to look out for on those shells to know whether it's a squirrel or whether it's your dormouse, it all depends on the little ring Um, where they break into it you can see their tooth markings so you either have a, a smooth finish to the ring, or you have a slightly serrated finish to the so ring. Which is which? And what so what's Steve found? Well, it depends on whether it's if it's smooth on the outside and serrated on the inside. It tends to be that you've got dormice okay. in the area. but it's quite it can be quite hard to spot. Yeah, so yeah. What, what I'd suggest is people have a little look on one some of those websites that I mentioned, yeah. and they can download an ID sheet from there, and that gives you a lovely illustration and to show you actually the the tooth markings on the shells.
2: I'm on it. We're coming out <laughs> of the
1: season now, so you're going to
3: find less less shells Probably around exactly, at the same yeah, time. Yeah.
1: So maybe not dormouse.
3: This one's a bit old. It's a bit old, this I think, isn't old. it? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, need, maybe need a, a fresher I'll see shell. what
2: I can find. Thanks,
1: Phil. <laughs> Thanks so over. much, well, Phil. Nice to speak to you. Like, you too. Over. Thank you so much. Great to see Phil here. I know. He, he,
2: he's such an interesting guy to listen to. He's so knowledgeable. You just spend a bit of time with Phil and you, you always learn a bit of something.
1: I spoke about to Kevin Smith, who is the editor of the Gardener's World magazine. Oh, yeah. And I met him at the BBC Gardener's World Spring Fair in Bewley. Mm couple of weeks ago now had a really lovely chat with him and if you want to catch up on that podcast we have done a special program from the bbc gardeners world's spring fair i'm speaking to kevin and francis tophill and also some people from sparshot college who are doing some amazing garden designing there but kevin was talking about growing vegetables in pots yes in containers yeah yeah and if you haven't got an allotment space or a garden but you've just got a little area where you'd like to grow some veg now's the time to do it it certainly is i tend to grow a lot of my cut and come again lettuces in pots okay because it's just quick and easy it doesn't get soggy being in the ground particularly at the moment with all the rain and it's great
2: the thing is with container gardening though you've just got to keep on top of the watering and the feeding we spoke about feeding earlier it's even more important in a containerized garden to feed because obviously once the the nutrients have gone out of the compost that you've used it's basically just dead brown stuff there's nothing else in it so you've got to keep that nutrients topped up in there
1: yeah absolutely and i tend to feed once a week
2: yeah
1: and i know Anne marie powell who used to co-host the the growing together podcast she has a feeding friday i was going
2: to say people usually have a day don't they you yeah know, feeding friday or, or thirsty thursday or something like that okay yeah. great <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> well i think it's important is to have that routine because otherwise it's easy to let it slip if you're not sure follow Anne marie on a friday morning she goes out there with the watering cans and it's great to have that in your diary to, yeah. to do on a and regular you,
2: basis. And that's the thing, life gets in the way sometimes and you don't get up here as often as you can, but you do get into a rhythm and over the years you do things at a certain time of year and you think, oh, I should have put my bean poles up a week ago. A few hours hard graft and you soon catch up with yourself. But I think that routine throughout the year, right the way down to feeding Friday, if you have a routine and you know the job you should be doing, gardening becomes easier. It shouldn't be a chore, it should be enjoyable. A bit of hard work now and again you know a bit of hard work never hurts anybody but getting into that routine just makes things so much easier
1: good advice Steve well you know (laughs) (laughs) well it's been lovely catching up with you once again down here joined by the birds and by Phil Paolo how lucky were we
2: we were very fortunate
1: (laughs) thanks also to Nellie Hall and your growing diary we'd love to hear from you we really would so if you'd like to contact us you can email us on team at shineradio.uk or you can call or whatsapp us on 01730 555 500 you can also say hello and follow us on instagram which is growing together underscore shine radio
2: there's no excuses <laughs> cannot hide from us we are everywhere
1: well until next time happy gardening Growing Together is new twice a month and supported by Alitex, modern Victorian glass houses made in South
0: Harting. Get the latest editions of Growing Together at any time at shineradio.uk.